Hello, and welcome to this Hot Topics podcast from NB Medical and Medcast. This podcast is part of a series based on the popular Hot Topics workshops and webinars. In this episode, our expert speaker, Dr. Simon Curtis, discusses the recent developments in managing diverticulitis in general practice. A copy of a Keep It Simple summary or KISS on this topic is available on the Medcast downloads page. If you would like to learn more and or to register for one of our nationally delivered face-to-face workshops, please visit our website. Dr. Simon Curtis introduced Stan, a patient presenting with left-sided abdominal pain. Stan's 80 years old, he's fit and well, typical bloke, hardly ever comes to see the doctor. But a couple of years ago, he did come and see you because he'd got abdominal pains and some change in his bowel habit. So you referred him urgently to exclude colorectal cancer. And his colonoscopy did exclude colorectal cancer, but came back with a report that he'd got diverticular disease. You gave him some information on a high-fibre diet, said cut back on those barbies, Stan, eat more veg, and discharged him. Um, And Stan now comes back to see you two years later with some colicky left-sided abdominal pain the last few days. It was colicky, now it's become more constant. Stan says it's really bad. You know, it must be really bad for Stan to come to see you. It's worse after eating. Um, it's a bit better after passing some wind or opening bowels. So there's some association with bowels, no diarrhea or nausea. Bit of mucus is passed rectally, no blood. So you examine him. And he's got a bit of a low-grade fever, 37.8. Heart rate is 80. Urine is normal, dipstick negative. In his abdomen, he's tender in his left lower quadrant of his abdomen. Um, No other signs of peritonism, bowel sounds are normal. Diverticular disease is a classic example of a GP problem because it's incredibly common. And although it's incredibly common, we have lots of questions that we need answering. Um, How do we actually make a diagnosis of acute clinical diverticulitis? clinically how do we make that diagnosis i was always taught you had to have a high fever or rectal bleeding is that really the case do blood tests have a role in making that diagnosis and if we do diagnose it how should it be managed and do oral antibiotics have a role and at what point should i be referring to surgeons Well, those questions have been answered uh, in a flurry of recent papers and guidelines that have been published over the last year, uh, including a new systematic review that's been published looking at the evidence for antibiotics in acute diverticulitis and to answer the question whether these are useful or not. So firstly, How common is diverticular disease? Of course, it's incredibly common. But we tend to think of it just in older people, and it does, of course, get much more common in older people, but it's increasingly common in younger adults, particularly in association with obesity and poor diet, of course. Um, And I recently uh, had a patient obese, cramping lower abdominal pain, mid to late 30s, bit of a funny time for irritable bowel syndrome to come on. Other tests were sort of normal. Patient did end up being referred, diagnosis diverticulitis. So 
going to see this more in younger adults in particular with obesity in connection, obviously, also with low fiber diet. Um, so diverticular disease is incredibly common, but only 5% of people who have diverticulosis, diverticularly seen on a CT colonoscopy or a colonoscopy, actually get significant symptomatic disease. It's yet another really good reason, apart from saving the planet for being a vegetarian, and although it is predominantly left-sided, um, in South Asian populations, um, interestingly, it's much more likely to be right-sided. So when we're thinking about diverticular disease, there are three different types you need to think of. You either have diverticularly without any symptoms, asymptomatic diverticulosis. If that's reported on a scan, a colonoscopy, very, very strong advice about having high fiber vegetarian diet to reduce the patient's chances of subsequently having symptomatic diverticular disease. Now, symptomatic uncomplicated diverticular disease has flare-ups of episodic painful episodes, typically left-sided, colicky, lower abdominal pain, which may be triggered by eating, may be eased by passing wind or stool, and this can present with either constipation or diarrhea almost like an IBS type, type pattern. It's not necessary to always have the diarrhea. But this is not acute diverticulitis. So episodic, painful episodes without fever are quite common with patients who've got diverticular disease. Complicated diverticular disease is when you get acute diverticulitis. And this is defined as having more constant severe pain also in association with fever. And it's acute diverticulitis that may lead to the more serious complications here, such as hemorrhage, abscess, perforation, peritonitis, etc. So what about Stan? So Stan's got these symptoms, they were colicky, now it's constant, he's got low-grade fever, his observations are otherwise stable with no signs of serious complications. So by those definitions, he has got acute diverticulitis. But if there are no signs of other complications, we can manage him in primary care with careful follow-up and safety netting. Paracetamol in primary care is just about our only analgesic option. The papers recommend avoiding NSAIDs and opioids if possible because they can increase the risk of both bleeding and also of diverticular perforation. And this is a situation with STAN whereby it is worthwhile checking a white count and inflammatory markers. And in the meantime, whilst we're watching him over the next two or three days to advise to rest the bowel. So the 70% of you said in this situation, you'd recommend a clear liquids only diet. You're absolutely spot on. You're completely right. So recommend to stand clear liquids only and then gradual reintroduction of food once his symptoms start to improve and then review him after 48 hours or so. If he's not settling, um, then 
Uh, and certainly, of course, if his OBS are getting worse, then he should be referred to surgeons for a CT scan to make sure there's no serious complications such as an abscess formation. So should we be giving STAN oral antibiotics? Well, virtually, virtually all of us on that very little survey said that we would. Um, and that is in line with most guidance guidelines we have for acute diverticulitis, which is to consider prescribing oral antibiotics if we suspect infection with low-grade fever, raised white count or inflammatory markers, say with coamoxiclav or gmentin, uh, typically for a week. Um, and then if failing to respond after 72 hours and fever persists, referring for intravenous antibiotics. But are antibiotics always necessary? And there's been this new systematic review that's been published looking at this evidence. Um, and there's quite an interesting analogy here, I think, with infective exacerbate or exacerbations of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. We've always assumed these were always due to infection and therefore antibiotics are always necessary. We now know often exacerbations of COPD can be due to non-infective causes and antibiotics are not always necessary. Well, this is the same with acute diverticulitis, that you can get these flare-ups from non-infective causes. And a recent review of the evidence has just published. Unfortunately, we have got no evidence in patients like Stan recruited and managed in primary care. However, when you look at inpatients, two recent trials have been done on patients who have actually had CT scan proven acute diverticulitis. So they're much more likely to actually have diverticulitis than our patients, randomized to antibiotics or placebo, and no difference in outcomes between them. Small trials, so still uncertainty remains, but the conclusion from the research therefore is antibiotics should be used selectively rather than routinely for the use of acute diverticulitis. Um, sure, if patients have got significant fever, raised white count, if they're immune compromised. I saw a patient last week with, uh, with this who's on steroids for polymyalgia. That lowered my threshold for wanting to give them some antibiotics or if they've got a greater risk of complicated disease. Otherwise, waiting and seeing, resting the bowel is probably the most important intervention. So in conclusion, diverticulosis, incredibly common, mostly incidental finding, but encouraging patients to go veggie, good idea for that, those patients. With symptomatic diverticular disease is common. We'll see that a lot in practice. So again, have the confidence to make that clinical diagnosis. Obviously, refer urgently if we suspect significant surgical complications or sepsis. But for acute, uncomplicated diverticulitis suggested by left lower abdominal pain with bowel symptoms and low-grade fever, advise bowel rest with clear fluids for two to three days check some simple fluids, avoid NSAIDs and opioids if at all possible, and consider, depending on your particular patient's comorbidities, your clinical judgment, oral antibiotics for a week. But it's selective rather than routine with antibiotics 
and then review after 48 to 72 hours and refer if not settling. That was Dr Simon Curtis from Oxford University in the UK presenting the latest updates on the guidelines in treating diverticulitis in primary care. You can download a copy of the Keep It Simple Summary or KISS on diverticulitis on the Medcast Downloads page. If you would like to learn more about the Hot Topics series of workshops, webinars and podcasts, please go to our website www.medcast.com.au forward slash hot topics.